Hi guys, Mike here, and I am so ready to drop this episode of RL Talks, and I'm so excited for it. And why is that? Because we are adding a fresh new voice for you guys. We had the pleasure of interviewing one of our good friends, a fellow paramedic, and one hell of an athlete. If you guys know me or spoken to me for any length of time, you know I am a giant nerd. And one of my favorite movies is The Avengers. And in the first Avengers flick, there's a scene where Tony Stark is talking with Loki and he looks at him and says, while you may have an army, we have a Hulk. And while we may not have a Matt Frazier or a Michael Jordan in our contact books, we definitely have a one Mr. Brandon Blondeau. And in this episode, he's going to talk to you all about his training, his training leading up to an ultra marathon, his fitness journey, his tips on recovery, and how the crux of his success is going to revolve all around a sick deal he got on an auction treadmill. We had tons of laughs, we had a lot of fun, and we hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you guys didn't understand that Avengers reference, what the hell are you doing? Go watch that movie, like, right now. Actually, maybe wait until after this episode is over. But, I'm going to stop jabbering, I'm going to let you guys enjoy this episode. Remember, like and share, and we hope you guys have as much fun listening to this as we had recording it. Hello guys, welcome back. We are super excited about today's episode because we have our first guest. I'm super excited about this episode. Um, We couldn't find a professional athlete, so instead we found Brandon Blondeau. (laughs) (laughs) And if you guys are not familiar with Brandon Blondeau, he is an advanced care paramedic and also quite the athlete, if uh, I do say so myself. Um, He'll speak for himself, but I'm just talking on his behalf right now and saying that he's fucking pretty magical majestic unicorn this one (laughs) so we're super excited to have him on the show and brando if you want go ahead and introduce yourself uh cool hey i'm my name is brandon blondo and i don't know how to roll my r's um like mike said i'm a paramedic uh in and around the same area that these guys work in been doing that for longer than i care to admit but i do very much enjoy it it's a very awesome part of my life that I'm very proud uh, to be able to exhibit. Um, and uh, I think uh, by the broad definition, I would be an athlete. Um, I take part in a lot of different uh, fitness endeavors and it's taken me to some pretty interesting places over the years. So yeah, super excited to be here and really looking forward to having a nice chat with my old friends. <laughs> Also, this dude is fucking cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of like tooting Brandon's horn here, but I think um, we just end the episode right there. Done, done. That's, yeah. done. <laughs> That's all people needed to know. Um, but tell us a little bit more mm-hmm. about your journey, like that landed you in the sport that you are now, because you've been through, like you've kind of gone through a lot of different sports. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it all. Um, so I, as a, I was that kid that like did not know what he wanted to do. So I tried hockey, I tried soccer, I tried baseball. I sucked at everything. Um, (laughs) I never had any like real, I wasn't like, I wasn't like happy doing any of that stuff. And um, I had a neighbor that was a a competitive swimmer. And so my parents sort of were like, well, there's nothing else left. Do you want to try swimming? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go give it a shot. And um, long story short, turned out I really liked it. And I was, you know, pretty okay at it. And I did that for, you know, my entire, you know, child, adolescent years, um, up until about 2008, I think was when I stopped actually like competing, um, which was when I was in university. And from there, I kind of, you know, it was also around the time I started working in EMS. Um, and it was a huge lifestyle shift because I went from training, you know, 12 times a week with, you know, upwards of 24 or 26 hours of of training in a week to now I'm doing shift work and almost no fitness. And so I kind of, you know, for the first year or two of my career went down the slope of like, I'm going to eat fast food because it's convenient. And, you know, I'm going to drink coffee at four o'clock in the morning because it's convenient. And, um, I, I caught myself in a bit of a funk and, 
was, you know, for someone of my build, um, quite heavy. I'm a, I'm a pretty, I'm a small guy. I'm not a, I'm not a large person, you know? And so I was at one point, 190 pounds. Uh, Were you really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. I had a, I had a pretty serious dad bod for a little bit. Oh, man. And, uh, and turned off. Yeah. <laughs> and the gut was not flattering. So, um, I, Talk to me, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I kind of reached a point where I was like, okay, like I can't, I can't keep doing this. And so, um, I had a friend that had asked me if I wanted to do this obstacle course race with him. Um, you know, spoiler alert, it was Spartan race. And, uh, <laughs> And, and so I said, sure. And so I started running and, you know, at that point I could barely run a kilometer without stopping, um, and trained for, you know, a couple months for this little 5k Spartan race thing. Um, you know, and I went and did it and, and I was instantly hooked. And so I was like, okay, I'm doing this. This is like the thing that I'm doing now. Cause I kind of lost my mojo after I was done swimming. I didn't really have anything that I enjoyed doing. And I, you know, kind of went to the gym and I did gun runs and bro sessions and it didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't super happy. And so I really leaned into the obstacle course racing pretty hard. Um, and I did that for, you know, uh, four or five years for sure. Um, and, and I was moderately successful at it. You know, I, I was, um, you know, I got some, some small sponsorships out of it and was fortunate to be able to, you know, I got paid to go to some races and, and, you know, promote the companies that were sponsoring me. And, um, so at some point you could run more than a kilometer. At some point I learned how to run more than a kilometer. Yeah. And, and it turned out that I really, really loved running. Um, and so as the obstacle course racing thing kind of slowed down, I started running more and then it turned into now I'm running a lot and now I'm running ultra marathons and marathons and, you know, um, that, you know, I did that for a little bit and then the natural progression from there was, you know, I'm already a swimmer and now I really love running. So all I got to do now is learn how to ride a bike. And then, so, you know, I, obviously I can ride a bike, but <laughs> ride a bike, <laughs> let me rephrase that, <laughs> learn how to ride a bike fast. So, um, you learned how to ride a bike at 27. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> Yeah, and so so that turned into me doing triathlon, and now I compete in Ironman, and I still and and I I do ultra running um, as well. I guess I go back. Yeah, and then oh, and then I guess somewhere in there as well, I forgot totally forgot about this. I've been doing CrossFit for like I don't know six or seven years, yeah. sprinkled in the middle there. So climb some walls every now and again. Climb a little bit. I've done mountaineering. Um, I just yeah, I really have fallen in love with being healthy. That's awesome. I, I, I knew you were a swimmer and I knew you competed in, in university and, but I didn't realize that you had gone through that shift of that. We had actually talked about it like post high school. We, like I went through that shift of being an athlete in school, being like playing hockey and all of that. And then high school ended and then I was just like a slug and I didn't really do much. <laughs> and, um, so it's interesting that you hit it after university and, and still went through it as, as we look back, like I've just always known you as the athlete and always like, this crazy runner that does it for fun for very long distances and that's not appealing to me but yeah so it's it's cool to hear that that story started with more than just like you were just like always a runner I assumed you had always done like track and field or something yeah yeah no I kind of I had a, a lot of pivots in my athletic career and there was a, a big period in there like I said it was probably a year and a half two years of like just crushing double cheeseburgers oh <laughs> oh the bulking season yeah. the bulking season that never ends dirty <laughs> long dirty <laughs> those dirty bulks oh i know those all too well so like very well-rounded athlete i would say like you have some running in there iron man and crossfit just to kind of sprinkle on top like that is quite the resume i'm not hiring but you know, I take you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I think it, like, it needs to be said, like, I've never been like extremely successful at any of these sports. Like it's not, you know, I've never been like a, a world championship level athlete at any of these, but I've achieved moderate success in a lot of them. Um, and was it ever like an aspiration to kind of like compete 
like at an elite level like yeah. did was that ever a thought that crossed your mind or was it just kind of like i'm good at this i'm just gonna just keep running at my level or did you want to step it up from there i did i did um in swimming um compete at like a national level um so you know i was you know like like i said moderately successful in that um in the um running realm of things you know i i run because i really really enjoy it and so my goals in running are more personal i've I've never wanted to be a world-class runner you know specifically um i just really enjoy running and so you know when i go do an ultra marathon it's not that i'm trying to win i it's it's a personal you know this is a challenge that i'm putting on myself and i want to put myself in that place where i can see if i'm you know able to be successful um well, we always think you're a champion. Oh, well, that's thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you come back from a race and you're we're always like you won, and you're yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> and we're like, but well, well, you won in our hearts. You're like I, I, I participated. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do like with triathlon, um, have you know a goal of competing at the world level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that is something that I'm actively working towards. Um, whether or not I get there remains to be seen, but it's you know something that I would like to try and achieve. What's your proudest achievement so far? Oh, boy. Has that grown we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Except it wasn't the dog this time. Proudest achievement? I don't... I think it would have to be that, like, it's kind of a weird one, but I've remained pretty much injury-free my entire athletic career, which is, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that can say that. And, and with the exception of, like, I got hit by a car once and separated my shoulder. <laughs> like, I've been know. injury free, but I got hit by a car. But I mean, like in terms of like you know the training load that I take on, I haven't I haven't ever actually severely injured myself from training or racing, and and I think I'm pr- I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. I hope one day we can like look back at this, like when you do get to the world level, and like you can when we ask you then, like what's your your proudest achievement? You'll be like, oh well, I like won a world championship and we'll be like remember when it was just being injury <laughs> it'll be a cool moment to look back on for yeah. sure yeah and i i think that's such a that's such a such an interesting topic to talk about because there's so many people that compete at the elite level that are constantly dealing dealing with injuries i mean you know you think about for instance eddie hall who went for a thousand and two pound deadlift and literally herniated almost every disc in his back yeah. right like yeah. And to say, you know, I've been injury free other than, you know, getting hit by a car. (laughs) Correlation does not equal causation. That one was not my fault. (laughs) But that's it goes to show like you can you can train with an enormous amount of intensity and remain injury free. You just have to be smart about training. And I think you've definitely like nailed the right formula for that one. So Um. You said that it was a bit of an adjustment going from, like, when you started shift work and, like, getting figuring out how to train around shift work. Yeah. How did that process look for you, and where does it, what does it look like now? Oh, God, it's been so much trial and error, excuse me. <clears throat> um, where I worked originally, um, we were on a rotation where I would be at work for, you know, six or seven days straight um, in a 24-hour rotation. And so when I started, I had put myself in a position where I was like, okay, Brandon, your goal is to work out for one hour. You're just going to do one hour of exercise per day. And then the other 23 hours, whatever happens, happens. And it was a lot of, like, I would go through waves where I would train really well. And then I'd have a week at work where I did almost nothing. And I wasn't really truly invested in the process at the start because I had gotten so comfortable in the like, yeah, but like McDonald's is right there, right? Tim Hortons is right there. I can just go there and eat and I don't have to eat that salad in my fridge or I don't, you know, I can take today off because I'll work out tomorrow and then I never worked out tomorrow, right? And then I never worked out the next day. And so I went through these waves of like being super, super dedicated and then nothing. Over time, as I found more and more things that I was really interested in it became easier to train because it was fun to train it wasn't a chore and I always told myself when I was doing whatever sport I was doing that the moment it felt like 
it was becoming work or a chore or an obligation to do this, I was going to stop because I felt that way at the end of my swimming career, that it was something I had to do and it wasn't necessarily something I wanted to continue doing. And it took away my excitement for it and it took away my passion for it. And so now, you know, when I train, it's, it's super purposeful. Um, and it, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't often feel like a struggle, like I'm obligated to go do what I'm doing. I love that you have touched on like, so we, by the time this episode launches, we'll have, we've, we have already launched our shift work podcast episode. I think that's episode three. And we talk about how when so many people come to shift work, they fall into that trap of McDonald's is right there. Tim Hortons is easy. Um, train when you can, but like, don't bank on it kind of thing. And, um, so it's awesome to hear as someone who hasn't actually heard that episode yet, that you're already talking about these things and it just reinforces how like common that mentality is to fall into. Um, and I love that it's that you're also touching on finding what you love to do because that is so like we preach this all the time. Like we can sit here and talk about strength training all day and, and Michael talk about it until he's blue in the face, but we always touch on the fact like you have to find what you love to do because that's what's gonna make you show up. Mm-hmm. So I think the other thing too is like with the level of training that I do, um, and the amount that I compete in the sports that I do. I do feel like there's a caveat that needs to be said in that there are absolutely days when the last thing I want to do is train. And at some point you have to make a commitment to yourself and accept that you have to do things that you don't necessarily like doing in that moment. And I have this phrase that I kind of repeat to myself and it's like, you know, you have to make short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. And there are days when I've woken up after a night shift or, or I've had a long day shift and, you know, my training plan is I have to go home and run for two hours or I have to get on the bike and bike for two hours. And I, it's the absolute last thing that I want to do. But I know that because I love what I'm doing and I've made a commitment to, you know, this level of, of achievement that I, I want to have that I'm just going to have to make myself a little bit uncomfortable and, 100% of the time, it's paid off. And, and I've felt better about it afterwards. Yeah. And have you found that, you know, like especially being a shift worker and the dynamics of the schedule and the inconsistency of the schedule, did you ever find at any point like your performance almost regressing, pushing yourself that much? Or did you notice like steady gains, whatever that looked like for you? Oh, I, I have noticed, like I have had regressions um, because as important as it is to train and be consistent and committed in your training, just as the same, it's as important to be consistent in your nutrition. It's extremely valuable to be consistent in your recovery process. Mm -hmm. And I had a long period where I was training, 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 and my training was phenomenal, but I was recovering like, you know, terribly. And I wasn't putting enough focus into it. And so when I shifted back and said okay Brandon like if you want to keep going on this path that you're going on and if you want to reach that level that you're trying to reach you have to prioritize your rest as much as you prioritize your training preach (laughs) (laughs) and it's so funny because like I'm gonna we're gonna sound like two old ladies here but like the amount of times this guy and I have talked about like our sleep routines and our sleep habits it's ridiculous (laughs) you two are adorable it's actually like (laughs) <laughs> when Brandon shows up in the picture, you guys, like, I actually become so insignificant. I'm really just, I am the third wheel on that date every single time. It's fine. Just accept it. So what does your training um, look like now? Now that um, you've had a little bit of time to get into your routine and, yeah. and what, so if you are prepping for a race, what does that look like around your, your work schedule? Yeah, so I'm prepping right now. I have a race in um, just a little under a month. Um, and... The structure of it is pretty simple. I don't train after my first night shift because I have found that it is totally useless training and that I'm tired and that I need to prioritize my rest in that block. And then depending on how the week goes, I sometimes take a rest day prior to our first day shift. Um, But other than that, days off, I hit it pretty hard um, because it's an opportunity for me to prioritize that when I don't have a 12 hour shift on the menu. Um, and 
after the day shifts, you know, it's typically a, an hour long session um, right now. And then after nights, you know, it's uh, like t- today, right before I came here, we, I ran for two hours before we got here. And then I'm going to go train again after we're done this. Jesus. <laughs> and what is what does the training look like? Like in a typical in a typical week, what does your training consist of? Like, is it? general physical preparedness is it just straight running endurance? yeah it's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything um right now i'm preparing for a running race it's only a running race so i am mostly running right now but i do um have a strength program that i follow um that i make sure i'm getting in as well amongst all the running because i found that if i don't do strength training when i'm running a lot or when i'm biking a lot or swimming a lot that my joint health um, suffers a little bit, and so I do what's called it's uh, it's called functional bodybuilding. Yeah. Um, it's a program that this guy in the states created it, and it's a lot of like functional movement, but it's not just like bro weights where you're just doing curls and right. So it's a lot of like a lot of hip hinging, and it's a lot of yeah. you know full range of motion activities, not necessarily under a lot of load, but ensuring that you're moving well. I love that. I love that you you touch on like functional bodybuilding and like movements that are functional for you, right? Like it's it becomes such a convoluted web when we talk about functionality and functional um training, right? Because there's not a one size fits all. There's not one sort of clear cut what is functional, right? For a power lifter, it might be completely functional to do a, a heavy bench press, right? But for you like lower body posterior chain, um, all those movements, those sports specific movements are functional. And like, it's, yeah, I I love, I love how you touched on that. That's, that's awesome. I think, I think a really good example of that, if you want to use like what I do specifically is that I no longer squat, um, without the use of a, an aid. So I squat to a box now. And the reason being is that I squatting mixed in with the amount of, um, endurance, activities that I do has caused me hip and back problems because it's not a movement pattern that I do consistently. And it's not a movement pattern that I, I very much need on a daily basis. And so when I squat, I squat to a box or I squat to a stack of plates Mm -hmm. so that it's not so much, I'm not under a, a ton of load in the bottom and I can focus on form coming out of it. And so that's kept my joints a lot healthier. And so super functional and healthy for me, might not be super functional and healthy for somebody else. Well, and, and that's exactly it, right? Like, uh, again, functionality comes with the domain that you you, you thrive in, right? Um, it almost seems almost useless for a person to do astagrass squats if, you know, like you're doing, where you're trying not to put as much pressure on your, on your hips. You're trying to get the benefits of the movement in the range of motion that you can tolerate, right? What's the point in doing acid grass squats if you're causing yourself more harm, right? Does your training change when you're not prepping for a race? Yes. Yeah. I take, if I'm not specifically training for a race, like I back off my endurance load quite a bit and I do a big block of like more on the functional bodybuilding CrossFit end of things to build like muscle, just good old fashioned muscle. Um, Cause I've, I, I find that I do need a break from the endurance side of things at a certain point in the year after all the racing is done after i've kind of done all the events that i want to do for a year i need i do need a break from it and so at that point i sort of back off the cardio pretty pretty hard like and i do a lot of strength focus a lot of functional movement focus and just like you know general muscle building do you have a do you have a coach or do you just do all your own training at this point uh i have like I have programs that I have paid for that like built programs that I've paid for, um, that I follow along with. Um, what about your diet? How has your, like, obviously your diet has changed a lot from when you were just hitting the McDonald's and the Tim Hortons. Like, were you at the beginning of it all? Were you still like, was nutrition even something that you that cared about? Like once you started realizing that like running is what you wanted to do and along with the swimming and, and the biking, like how long did it take you to realize you should probably attention to like what you're eating as well when did that become important to you oh a few years after i got after i really got going because i 
kind of learned that that was a, a missing block out of my overall health that I really needed to pay attention to. Um, and so I was like, you know, I was drinking mutant mass for a while, which is Ooh. like, <laughs> it's so, <laughs> oh, I can feel the gut rot. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's funny though, because <clears throat> you say that like you were this like bigger guy at one point, but like the person that you are now, like you're, you're a very lean human. And I know that you've struggled in the past to like even keeping mass on yeah. at the place yeah. that you are now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gross, but I mean, it, it did what it needed to do at one yeah, point. Yeah, it, oh boy, it was, <laughs> again, it was something that didn't pay off in the long run. Um, <laughs> what what I did do, though, was when I got serious about wanting to be a better athlete and wanting to, like, be a higher performing athlete, I hired a, a registered dietitian, um, and she was fabulous. Like, she totally changed everything I knew about food and food health and, you know, eating for performance and she worked really closely with me for we worked probably about two years together of fine tweaking you know what is my um, training meals look like what does my off-season nutrition look like and so it we finally found a place where there's a sweet spot and I know what I have to eat and I've been eating that way for I don't know five years now and it's been spot on like there's I don't think there's anything to change at this point how how does your diet change between training season and off season so right now right now my if we're doing macros um my macros are about 170 um of protein um 450 to 550 of carbs and about 140 of fat Ooh. Dream, dream right there. Yeah. Holy moly. So big boy meals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. when you sit, when you show up to work and I see like what you're eating, like I'm like, I, c- I can't imagine eating like, like how many times a day do you eat? Oh gosh. Uh, always. You're just always, always eating. Always eating. It's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> I ate, <laughs> I ate on the way over here. So. Do you have food in the car? Yeah, too? I've got <laughs> food in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so what does it look like? Like, are you when you're not training for a race and if you're in your off season, yeah. are you still like loosely paying attention to what you're eating or are you still like 100% um, with I, whatever that plan looks like? At I'm at time? the, I'm at the point now where like, I have a really good general idea because I've been doing it for so long on this specific plan of like what my meal day should look like. Um, but when I'm not doing like a race, I will back off the carbs pretty hard. Like I'll, I'll chop that in half for sure. Um, because I just don't need that many carbs if I'm doing a one hour workout a day. Um, and so I, I use like an app to track. I've, I've used my fitness pal, um, to kind of make sure that I'm getting my numbers right. For me, it's not necessarily like, am I eating too much? It's to make sure that I'm like, if I'm leaving for the day, did I pack enough food that I will hit those numbers, you know, for, for when I am at the end of my day. Do you find yourself um, going into like the typical like cutting season, bulking season, or do you just try to stay consistent, just going as as you perform, sort of thing? No, I, I mean, I will find my weight tapers off a little bit right before a race, and it's because right. the training load is so high. But I have kind of a sweet spot for my weight, um, so I'm, I'm about I'm five eleven and I'm one hundred and seventy pounds, and that's like my absolute sweet spot. I'm super comfortable there. I can run well. And I'm not like falling out of my clothes. Um, but when I am really close to a race, I do find my weight tapers off, you know, six or seven pounds. God, you just must feel like Cypher one of these days. Like, you know, all I see is blonde, brunette, redhead. You're like, all I see is macros, fats, carbs, protein. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that you are like, you're pretty intense about your recovery now. Yeah. Like, like Mike mentioned, the two of you will sit there and chat about it for hours and... fucking sleep masks are a game changer oh, yeah. just that's like you have one? Oh yeah <laughs> yeah we we mentioned it before but like mike got one for christmas and when he opened it up he was like what the fuck am i gonna do with this he's like you got this big box of all this cool harry potter shit and moonshine and i got a face mask and then he was super super quickly changed that let <laughs> me tell you i do you know what i was googling literally last night i was on the like high-end high quality 
sleep masks like trying to figure out what is the best $200 sleep mask (laughs) for me and my needs you know (laughs) what are are your needs Brandon I just high quality sleep you know (laughs) I don't want wrinkles on my face when I wake up, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not, already fucking I'm not there. about that Amazon sleep mask. Oh, I'm already you know? fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy is a sleep king, and he needs to sleep like a king. <laughs> okay, okay. So how do you fit in... Um... What does your recovery like you even look like? Like, where does that fit in through all of this? If you're working your shift work, like, you're training before work, after work, like, all of mm-hmm. those things. Like, where do you... Like, especially with, like, long training sessions, that if you're hitting, like, two-a-days, yeah. how do you, where does that fit in and where does that get prioritized? The, the big thing for me, like, when I had to really hone in on my recovery was my sleep. Because my sleep was not good. I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll get five hours. That's fine. And then I'd get up and go through a day and burn 5,000 calories and then wonder why I was so exhausted at the end of the day. Um, so... I haven't, you know, I use a device that tracks my output and recommends how much time I should need to recover. Um, and it makes recommendations, you know, for if you want to achieve 70% of your sleep need, you should go to bed at this time. If you want to achieve 85% of your sleep need, go to bed at this time. And the reality is for me is that I cannot achieve 100% of my sleep need. It's not possible for me with the amount of stuff that I do in a day. And so I set the target of 85%. So my goal is to get 85% of the sleep that I require most nights. And even just that change, even though it's not 100%, has impacted my recovery exponentially in ways that I, I can't even describe the difference that it's made in, in my recovery. Um, and the other thing, too, is just like I, you just have to be disciplined, right? Like, so, you know, people think recovery and they think getting a lot of sleep and stretching, but there's a ton of other things that are involved in your recovery that aren't those two things. Are those two super important? Absolutely. I would say they are pillars of maintaining good physical health, but you also need to look at, am I hydrating enough? Do I have enough electrolytes? Do I have enough vitamins and minerals? And am I eating well? Because that is a huge part of your recovery. If you're not well nourished, your body will not recover. And there's, that's not my opinion. That's just, that's a fact. Like, that's, <laughs> just because Brandon says it doesn't yeah. mean it's true <laughs> this time. This is, it's, it's, it's just the truth. And so you have to go about your day actively planning to take care of your body. And so when I go to work, I have a water bottle that has 750 mils of room in it. And I make sure that I drink for sure three liters of water when in the time I'm at work. And I make sure I drink two liters of water when I'm not at work. And so I drink five liters of water every single day. I know one of the big things that comes up is that, you know, being a shift worker, that creating that sleep routine and creating that proper sleep hygiene becomes a bit of an issue or becomes very nuanced or complicated. Have you found that being the case? Like, have you found creating that sleep routine has been difficult? Or have you found now a sweet spot where you can you know, you can switch it on and, and, and recover properly for the next day. I have found a really good spot for me to be in. And I can pretty much know exactly where I'm going to be based on how much sleep I'm getting at night. Um, I think the most important thing about it is that you have to make it a priority. And, and everybody jokes like, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's like, well, if you don't sleep, you're going to be dead a hell of a lot quicker than you want to be. And when you make something like that a priority and when you say that, you know, this is something that I am working towards and this is something that aligns with my goals and you prioritize it, it becomes much easier for you to focus on that sleep hygiene. And sometimes you have to go to bed at 8.30. Oh, no. I do it all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, it does. You sometimes you can't stay up and watch half a season of whatever on Netflix. And, you know, you... I, so that for me, that's what I had to do. I had to recognize that this was a priority in my life. And if I have to get up at 5 a.m. for work or if I have to get up at 4 a.m. for work, that I might be in bed at 8 o'clock. And again, it comes back to I'm making a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. I know you have a pretty extensive sleep, like bedtime routine yeah. too, hey? Yeah. What did, like, what does that look like? Because I think people underestimate, like, what a, like, superior bedtime routine actually looks like. Okay, here we go. Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ready. So the, the big thing is, number one, I make sure that I get all my fluids in 
like well before bedtime because the last thing you want to do is chug two liters of water and then wake up 90 minutes later and you know have to pee so when i go to bed my room is entirely blacked out it's cool it's not cold it's cool i have a fan running that moves air across my body while i'm sleeping um i have a you know like a memory foam mattress and if you don't have a quality mattress you should get one because it makes a difference um i wear a sleep mask and i take magnesium and a uh you know a, a herb compound sleep aid which is you know it's got like chamomile and lavender those kind of things in it um and then i do a meditation when i'm lying in bed um and if it's not a meditation then i listen to a bedtime story on like a an app that you know somebody just reads Peter Pan to you and you fall asleep. Um, and just as important as it is falling asleep, waking up is super important as well. And so I have a, you know, a sunrise alarm clock that 30 minutes before I'm supposed to wake up, it slowly starts releasing more light into the room. Um, and if you've ever done any reading about circadian rhythms, um, exposing your body to light um, as soon as you wake up is super important for your body understanding that okay this is like this is the time to start our day especially during canadian winters where yeah we're mostly in darkness yeah <laughs> from the minute you wake up and, and your body in, in at least where we live because the sunlight is so bad here our body does not synthesize um, a tolerable level of vitamin d from november to march yeah, and like I mean, we get up at like the craziest of hours all the time, and and implementing that we we joke all the time that like we have no circadian rhythm, like just as medics and shift workers and and this and whatever else. But I think especially like the sunlight light like alarms, they're becoming so much more um, popular for us. And I uh, I'm upset that we don't have one because the more people that I talk to that have these, like they are die hard for them. So it's a it's a total game changer. And it wakes you up so nicely, like it just, it's the birds start chirping through the speaker. And so like, it's not that crazy iPhone alarm clock that sounds like an air raid siren. It's like, oh, is that a robin or a blue jay? Oh, wow. Okay, I should wake up now. It's not just hateful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not, you're not being woken up by like, you know. The Germans are yeah, coming. The Germans. <laughs> Get down to the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverines. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, so let's touch a little bit on stress management because at the end of the day, you are still a paramedic. And so we'll, we'll lean in a little bit more to, to the medic side of this. The most okayest paramedic I know, but a paramedic nonetheless. Hey, I am, by this broad definition... The same as I am an athlete, a paramedic. <laughs> Someone gave him a number. Yeah. yeah. That's our participation trophy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same as racing. Somebody gives you a number and they just say, like, have at her. Go for it. Like, yeah. what, nobody cares what you do in between. It's just as long as you show up and as long as you finish. Um, so what is, like, like I mean, you're, we're talking stress on multiple levels, especially with you, like, training as an athlete. Like, you're putting all the stress on your body. Um with all of your training um, and you're so in tune with everything else, but like, what about the medic side of you? Like, what does that look like? Because I can, I, as a human and as a medic, like the thought of putting all of this extra training stress on top of a shitty work day, like that, it, it, it burns a hole in my soul. And then to think about running after a shitty work day, I'm sorry. I, I just, it doesn't. If you want to flip the script though, if you told me that I had to go and deadlift heavy after a shitty work day, I'd be like, mm, no, thank you, <laughs> yeah. but no. Yeah. So yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I've always used fitness and exercise as therapy. Um, and I also go to a therapist, but I use it as therapy. So if I've had a bad day, there is nothing more satisfying to me than when I get home of hopping on my treadmill or going outside and putting in some music and just running the day away because that endorphin release and, and that rush that you get from exercising. Like when I get home, I'm just, I'm just like, oh, like so much more relieved. And I've always been pretty fortunate in that that has been a really positive way for me to manage my mental health with the mental load that comes with this job. Um, 
so I, I you know my answer is I, I exercise for me is is super positive like you have for my stress management you, you found what you love and are able to kind of like yeah. do it on both sides can we please tell the treadmill story can we please talk about how you got a treadmill and what that entire oh, situation okay. looks like? Yeah. Because it was stressful at work for you. Oh, okay? yeah. That was the most stressed I've been at work in years. <laughs> Let true. me tell you. I was there. Yeah, Mike was there. I was also there. Yeah, we, were, we were all they, chilling at the same station. There was an auction, and it was a doozy of an auction. Let me tell you. They had everything up for sale. Did you want an elliptical? Go get it. Did you want a rower? Go get it. Did you want... 600 pounds of various dumbbells yeah that's fine go get it and they had like i don't know 150 treadmills on there and i bid on every single one of them (laughs) every single one my bids were a dollar mind you but i bid on every single one of those treadmills and the prices kept going up and this was like i don't know nine days of bidding that i was like Round the clock looking at this website because I wanted a treadmill and I did not want to pay $6,000 for that treadmill. So the final day comes and Mike and I are trying to do we work. Were, we were night shift, were we not? Day shift. We were, were days, we days, I think. We yeah, days? It was we were day days. Shift. It was day shift because I remember like having the like tablet and then the MDT, all of which had these fucking auctions all the time. He didn't recruit your phone? We had like three different devices yeah. going. <laughs> and like, I was like giving orders to Mike on like, bid on this if I'm busy and I can't get to it. Like, you need to keep an eye on this. And so what ended up happening was all of these treadmills went for like fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars $1,600. And I was kind of like, ah, that's, I don't really want to pay that for a used treadmill. Even though it's a $6,000 treadmill, it's very high quality. I still don't want to pay $1,500 for it. And I found one treadmill that had a piece of plastic that was missing off the back of it. And so they put a disclaimer on the bidding ad and it said, you know, this panel is missing. We don't know the working condition of it. And I was like, that's fine. I'm going to take a gamble on it. Maybe I have to spend a couple hundred dollars on repairs. If I can get a nice treadmill for, you know, pretty cheap, I'm going to do it. And so I got this treadmill for $340. (laughs) The the best part about this though, is like this auction got so personal. Like he started making enemies. He's like, I didn't even know these people. And I was like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, Dave, one, two, three, four. We're we're going to war now, you know? There was one guy on there that was like, I felt like was bidding out of spite and was just like bidding on everything. And I was like, you stay away from my treadmill, man. This is mine. Like, I remember going on calls and he's like, Mike, you stay on the truck and keep an eye on the auction. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, we. I ended up getting this treadmill for like $340, and I had to drive to the next city um, to pick it up. So I borrowed my buddy's truck, and they were like, oh, you got this treadmill? And I was like, yeah, I got this treadmill. And they were like, okay. And so they loaded it into the truck, and I drove it home, and I hauled that 500-pound treadmill up into my apartment, which, let me tell you, was not easy, and got it inside, and I plugged it in, and guess what? It works perfectly. <laughs> There is nothing wrong with it. There is a two-inch piece of plastic that is not on the back, and all it is is the access panel for, like, where you plug the TV into. Right. And it works perfectly. So I got a $6,000 gym-quality treadmill for $340. This was a big day. It was. It's, like, probably. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go back, because you asked me what my (laughs) proudest athletic achievement is. And my proudest athletic achievement is getting that goddamn treadmill for $340. (laughs) It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Like, that is a huge deal. Yeah. Once again, I cannot wait ba- wait to look back on this episode. It's still going to be that answer. It's not going to change. I can go to the Olympics. I can win Ironman World Championships, which I will never do. But my answer will still be getting that treadmill. <laughs> but it makes sense. That is the crux to his success. Yeah. Spending $350 on a treadmill. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> $340. Oh, $340. My bad. Come on. <laughs> that Whoa. 10 bucks makes a difference. It, it, it does. Let it me does. tell you, if that treadmill went to 350, I was out. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's good. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you balance your social life with all of this? Okay, that's a that's a really good question. Um, Easy. He cancels plans with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. So my therapist 
has this phrase that she likes to give me when I'm trying to work through something. And she says, you have, you know, does, does what I'm doing align with my goals? And it's, it works in a lot of different ways for me. Um, and my social life has definitely changed, um, as a result of what it is that I'm trying to do. And it's not that I won't go out, but I won't go out and stay out till 3am. That's a bold faced lie. You just don't show up, but okay. Uh, where I was there on New Year's. Okay. The one I, time. Did I leave at 1220? Yes. Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ball dropped and you're like, peace out kids. Yeah. But, but I, I've just, I've just had to re, you know, revamp what my social life looks like. And my social life doesn't involve staying out till 3am anymore because I know that it will negatively impact what I want to do tomorrow and what I want to do tomorrow is important to me. And so I found a way that, you know, if I do go out, I go out for a few hours and I, you know, socialize and I have a lot of fun. And then I kind of set a a limit for myself and I say, okay, you know what, 11 o'clock or 1030 or whatever, I'm going to make my way home. And then that way I can get into bed still at a relatively decent time and, and have a good night's sleep. And I don't feel like that is a sacrifice in my life because I still love being social and I like going out and spending time with my friends, but I really, really love training and I really, really love being healthy and taking care of my body and taking care of my mind. And so when I ask myself if going home early aligns with my goals, the answer is always a resounding yes. And I've come to terms with the fact that I don't have to be out till 3am to have a good time. I can go out and come home at 11 and, and I've had a great time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do take a lot of personal attack right. about this whole socialization right. conversation, but that's okay. Um, you showed up today. That was a win. Yeah, and, but it's during the daytime, right? So sun yeah. is still out. The sun is out. Sun still is counts. Out. Is that yeah. the limit? Yeah. Awesome. Um, that was a lot, and I got to know. I got to know a lot <laughs> about you more than I thought I I already knew about you. Um, God, you're a fucking god. <laughs> I can't keep up. <laughs> but it's different. It's two different realms, right? Like you, it's you, you're comparing apples to oranges. Yeah. He likes to run and swim and bike for fun, and sometimes I, you can convince yourself to run. Sometimes, and you just run your mouth. Oh, yeah. a lot, a lot. <laughs> if I burn calories running yeah, this thing, oh those man, lips, <laughs> I'd be ripped. <laughs> As if you're not spicy on your Oh, own. I'm spicy. Don't <laughs> worry. I didn't say I wasn't. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, that was... We, we crushed through that way faster than I thought I was. we were going to, but there's a lot of information in there. And I hope I hope somebody picks something out of this that is like, yo, like that's on target. Like, that's yeah. what I needed to hear. Like, the for me, the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this, because I'm in a, I'm in a weird space with my training right now, and you, like, when you said, like, you found something that you loved and it was so much easier to make all these sacrifices for it. Like I'm in a weird space where I'm not loving lifting right now. Yeah. Um, I'm doing it. I'm still crushing the weights and following yeah. the program and stuff like that. But like that hit home for me, like yeah. find what you love and figure out how, 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 whatever that looks like, like just, just figure it out and then, and be dedicated. And, and, and I want to, ch- I want to challenge you because you this said, is my podcast. You don't get yeah, to challenge well, me you for just, shit. You said, no. you said like, I don't, I don't, I don't mind making sacrifices for it, but if you're doing what you love is making changes in your life, truly a sacrifice or is it aligning your goals? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. That was big. So what's besides this ultra run that you're doing, uh, in Arizona, what's, what's your next, what's your next goal after this, after, after that race, what's, what's next on, on the menu for Brando? Um, I've got an Ironman planned for the summer, uh, at 70.3 Ironman. Um, and then I've got a couple more ultras planned. I might do another Ironman 70.3 in October. Um, but the big thing that is coming up, um, for us right now, which I'm going to shamelessly plug on your podcast is, um, I, along with, uh, three of my friends have started a fundraising society, um, where we are taking on physical challenges to raise money for two very, noble charities um in our area um and so if anybody's interested in learning more about that you can check out fundraising in motion on instagram um and we do have a website that is like 95 percent almost live it's just we have to put a couple of tweaks on before it's going up 
Um, but we have a big event coming up for that where we're doing like a hundred kilometer run over a couple of days um, to raise a ton of money. So that's pretty big and it's nice to be able to use my fitness for, for a good cause. And um, last year we raised a, a, a amount of money that I'm, I'm proud of and we're hoping that we can uh, raise significantly more this year. When is the race? Uh, which my charity thing, Oh, it's in, it's scheduled for June. Um, we don't have the exact dates finalized yet just because we're waiting on some reservations to come through, but it's probably going to be around the week of June 22nd. And once we do get it all, the dates all finalized that will be up on our Instagram page. Yeah. And when we drop this episode, um, we'll make sure that all those links are there as well. So that if you like are interested in donating, donating to the cause and, because what are you guys doing? You're doing 100 kilometers in 48 hours? That's correct, yeah. Yeah. So is this the same one where you guys ran around the building during COVID? No, that I just, I was just bored. And so I did a marathon around my friend's parking lot. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll just move. I did, I did 56 laps around my, my friend's uh, parking lot. Uh, yeah. It's, um, a lot, it's a lot of laps. <laughs> oh my God. But yes, we will make sure that those links are up Um those that do want to donate to this. Um, are you guys doing stickers again? Uh, that's probably coming. Um, it probably will look a little bit different than our last fundraiser, but we do have some sellables that uh, should be coming out that um, people can purchase that the money, all of the money goes towards the charity. So uh, guys, keep an eye out for that. We are going to blow it up and we hope you guys do too. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah. And I guess with that, Thank you for showing up. That was cool. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. And thanks for your, like, wisdom words. Those were, there was a lot in there that, like, I, I know you're a pretty smart guy. And sometimes you say some things that I can relate to when you're talking about running and stuff like that. So that was neat. And um, I'm pumped on this. Like, there, there was a lot in this episode that I feel like people can take away from. And nobody's saying that you have to train to be an athlete. But you can you can apply so many of these things to just your everyday life. Yeah. There's so many nuggets of wisdom there that you can absolutely apply to your everyday life, and I hope someone gets something from it. So, with that said, we are going to close this podcast out. We thank you guys for showing up. We thank Brando for showing up today. Thank you. Um, and, as always, please like and share this podcast. Screenshot it and share it to your Facebook, to your Instagram stories. Make sure we, uh, we know you're seeing it, because you will be entered for a draw for a Village Ice Cream gift card that we were going to be doing once a month. Yeah. Until the gift cards run out and then we'll do something else. But like and share this, guys. Blow it up and then keep an eye out for fundraising in motion and blow that up too because these guys are putting in a lot of work for a really good cause. So we love you guys and we'll catch you on the very next episode.